We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Gold is a better... The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Gentleness is a beautiful word and it's a wonderful concept until you have to show it to all men. Do you have a reputation for gentleness? Is that what men see in you? Is that what's obvious to them about you? Is that what they think about when they think about you? Welcome to Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Kindness and gentleness are Christian virtues for sure, but when someone pushes our buttons, it's easy to get hot-headed and angry. So Philip DeCourcy helps us take a different approach that produces far better results. In today's message, we're discovering that gentleness isn't just a command in Scripture, but a path to less stress. You can find the complete Less Stress series online at ktt.org. Now here's Philip DeCourcy with A Gentle Approach. Philippians chapter 4. Let's come and look at verse 5. Interesting verse, challenging. It's a theme we don't often perhaps talk about, but one that is necessary. I want to look at three things. Gentleness defined, gentleness displayed, and gentleness directed. Here Paul commands, urges, exhorts the Philippians to show gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Now, the term gentleness is a slippery word. It's not an easy word to translate. Or may I put it like this? It is so rich in meaning that one word doesn't seem to do it justice. And so Bible translators have struggled a little to get to the true meaning of this. It's been translated moderation. It's been translated forbearance, kindness, courtesy, leniency, yieldedness, goodwill. I like the ESV, sweet reasonableness. That's what we're to show to all men. Although fundamentally, at the foundation of it, this is a word that speaks about not demanding a strict and straight application of the law, where you bend a little. It speaks of the fact that you may be right, you might have the law on your side, but you'll set aside your rights, or you'll lessen the application of the law and your rights so you can be forbearing and gentle and sweetly reasonable. This word appears in the writings of Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher. Here's how he describes this word. It speaks of one who does not stand on his rights unduly, but is content to receive a smaller share, although he has the law on his side. That's our word. Sweet reasonableness, yieldedness, gentleness, patience accepting less when you could demand more. It's a wonderful word. 
In fact, when you think of that, does it not take us back to Philippians 2, verses 4 to 5, the very heart of this letter, the kenosis passage, where the Lord Jesus wasn't driven by self-ambition or self-interest, but he put the interest of others before himself. And Paul says to them, you know what? Let that mindset be in you. It's not about you. It's about others. Joy is Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's where joy is to be found. And if you want a motivation, if you want to look at this, have a look at Christ. Although God, he voluntarily set aside his privileges as God, And he left the worship of heaven for the mockery of a cross. He added to his deity humanity. And he became of no reputation. And he became obedient unto the death of the cross so that God in his grace could gently treat you whose sin his son had died for on the cross. Now let that mind be in you. Let your gentleness, let your willingness to be yielded and to show magnanimity. Let that be made known to all men. So what does this mean? It means a spirit that does not insist on every right, although the law may be on your side. It speaks of a disposition that diffuses an argument, a situation, a conflict, rather than escalates it. It speaks of a willingness to show mercy in the face of wrong. It's an attitude of yielding. I love the phrase, it's the grace of giving way. It's a perspective that doesn't sweat the small stuff. It's a condition of courtesy and mannerliness. It's a bend towards kindness and patience. That's our word defined. Wouldn't you agree it's a beautiful concept? It's a bit like the word kindness where C.S. Lewis said, Forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have someone to forgive. And gentleness is a beautiful word and it's a wonderful concept until you have to show it to all men. And if it's to be shown to all men, that means some nasty fellows. And so this is the challenge. This must be in the mix of our Christian walk and our Christian witness. This is what marks the life of the Christian because this is what marked the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 1, what does Paul say about the Lord? He says this, Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by meekness and the gentleness of Christ. What mark Christ must mark the Christian. Chapter 2, verse 15, we're told we're to be blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights. This isn't about lowering standards. This isn't about becoming soft morally. Certainly not about selling out theologically because the same guy that writes in chapter 4, verse 5, let your gentleness be made known to all men. I want you to notice how he describes the Judaizers in chapter 3 and verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. So we're not talking about selling the gospel out. We're not talking about reducing our standards morally. What we are talking about in relationships and in evangelism and in life, where we can, for the sake of the gospel and for to reflect the character of God, we're going to give way on certain things. Or we're going to give people time to repent. Or we're going to be very gentle in our approach in restoring the lost or the broken. So that's gentleness defined. What about gentleness displayed? Let your gentleness be known. It's a Greek word, 
recognized, obvious, evident. That's where I got the thought. If I was to turn this statement into a question, Paul is saying to the Philippians and to us, do you have a reputation for gentleness? Is that what men see in you? Is that what's obvious to them about you? Is that what they think about when they think about you? And by the way, this is how they experience our joy. All right? Verse 4 tells us we need to be joyful Christians. All right? We can be sober without being somber. Don't mistake those two concepts. We're to be sober, serious people, but not somber. We're to rejoice in the Lord. Always. And if we're a joyful Christian, we're going to be a gentle Christian. You say, how do you get that, Pastor? Well, it's rejoicing in the Lord, in His gospel, in His love, in His mercy. Life can never take that from you when it robs you of your health, when trouble comes to your home, when you lose your job, when you're a set of circumstances that are hurtful. No, you can still rejoice in the Lord because none of that changes who He is and what He's done for you. And if you're at the foot of the cross and you're rejoicing in God's forgiveness and His undying love for you and you're joyful, let me ask you, is it not the case that you're going to be gentle? Because the God who was gentle with you and didn't treat you according to your sins, but showed you grace, if that's the God you're rejoicing in, when you come up against an offense or when you could rightly demand your rights, you know what? You show the gentleness of the God who showed you some gentleness. So gentleness is the way the world experiences our joy and encounters it. The happy soul is a big-hearted soul. Now, two things here. It's manifestation and it's motivation. Okay, this is something we need to show. This must be evident and obvious in our lives. So let's look at its manifestation. There ought to be a climate of courtesy. There ought to be a bent of big-heartedness. There ought to be the grace of giving away, the spirit of leniency, the absence of self-seeking, the surrendering of our preferences. That's what ought to mark our lives. That's what ought to be manifest. And I'll tell you several areas you'll find that if you're a leader, that ought to manifest itself in your life. 1 Timothy 3.3, one of the characteristics of an elder shepherd pastor, they're gentle. 2 Timothy 2.24, we quoted it in the life of Charles Simeon, who modeled this in leadership. The servant of God is not to strive, but be gentle. Now, a leader's got to be firm. A leader's got to lead. But you know what? Far too many pastors don't believe in the priesthood of all believers. They believe in the papacy of all pastors. And they exercise a domineering, aggressive leadership style that shows no patience or thought or consideration for their flock. They confront. They badger. And that's unbecoming of a pastor. He's a shepherd who must lead the lambs of God gently and carefully. A leader is to be authoritative but not authoritarian. Those are two different things. He's not to lord it over God's people. He's to be known for his gentleness and his kindness. In fact, I'm reading in this book, as I mentioned, I was reading just this week again about Andrew Bonner, whose brother was Horatio Bonner and whose friend was Robert Mary McShane. And one little girl said of her pastor, Andrew Bonner, he's the minister with the laughing face. A little kid saw joy and a charm in her pastor. That's the way it ought to be. 
This is to be manifest in leadership. This is to be manifest in conflict. I mean, let's remember where this begins. It begins in verses 2 through 3 with an urging on Paul's part for two leading ladies in the church to get their act together and be of the same mind in the Lord. One of the things that's going to help them is to find their joy in the Lord. And another thing that's going to help them is to let their gentleness be known. The grace of giving way. We're not sure what the issue was, but all it would take to help it get fixed is one lady to give way, to be magnanimous, forbearing, kind, forgiving, courteous, the soft answer that turns away wrath, the soft tongue that breaks the bone. You want another example of that? Would not be Abraham, write down Genesis 13, 7 to 8. Look at it later. But you remember that scene where Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen go at it? And you have a battle royal, and they're fighting around probably the whales and territory, and they have a lot of sheep. And so Abraham says, okay, blows the whistle, you know, calls foul. Or says, okay, you know, I'm going to review the play here, and here's my take on this. We've got to stop this. And here's what I'm suggesting, Lot. You and your herdsmen, with all your sheep, if you go to that way, we'll go this way. Because the land's big enough for both of us. We're fighting over this one spot. So if you go left, I'll go right. And if you go right, I'll go left. Let's get this thing sorted out. Is that not sweet reasonableness? Is that not yieldedness like we're talking about? I'll tell you another area this will manifest itself in is ministering to broken people. Have you got anybody in your life, anybody within your reach that's broken, not walking with the Lord like they once did? Their jets have cooled spiritually. They've maybe even fallen into sin and a pattern of sin. So you know what? You can't ignore that. Paul says, you know what? You that are spiritual, go over and restore that brother. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. The word restore there is interesting. It's a Greek word. If you're a medical student, you'll like it. It's to reset a bone that's dislocated. That's a painful experience, right? You and I have maybe had that. I had that once in my life. I kind of had a hairline fracture in my shoulder. I fell out of a tree, dislocated my shoulder a little bit, went down to the ER, and I'm like, buddy, take it easy. This is sore. Restoration is painful. And you know what? Know what it says in Galatians 6? You that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. You know what? People who are broken and who have fallen... They come with a label attached to them. You know what it says? Handle with care. Most of the time they know that they've failed and that they're broken. And they're trying to get to a better place. Come alongside them and in the love of Christ and in the authority of God's Word, point them to a better place. And do it with some gentleness. Here's another area. If you're speaking to those in power, you like politics? You like to get engaged in political talk? I have a word for you, which means I have a word for myself because I like to get involved in that stuff a little bit. Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable and gentle. There's a lot of victory all in politics today. And you'll even find it in Christian circles where we don't fulfill this when speaking of the opposition. We speak evil of them. We're not peaceable, and we're certainly not gentle. I've seen some of the emails that Christians send to each other about their political opponent. And it's a character assassination. And it's a calling of people evil and wicked 
unduly in an exaggerated manner. Don't send me those emails. In fact, don't send them to anybody. It's unbecoming of Christ. That doesn't mean you don't speak to the issues of the day. That doesn't mean we don't know the difference between right and wrong. But if you're going to speak to those who are opposed to the gospel, common sense, morality, Paul says, be subject to rulers and authorities. Be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Finally, this manifests itself when you're evangelizing the lost. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, here's what Peter says. But sanctify the Lord your God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear. The word meekness carries the idea of gentleness. When you're evangelizing the lost, are you doing it with meekness? Is there a gentleness about your manner and your approach and your presentation that reflects the grace of God? You're actually trying to communicate And the love of God you're actually trying to talk about? Too much evangelism is a thinly veiled put-down where we rub people's nose in the dirt. We stand over them in the superiority of God's grace. But that's not what ought to be the case. We ought to be meek and respectful. One writer put it like this, there are two ways to get an egg out of an eggshell. One way is to crack it open The other way is to put it in a warm, loving environment and let it incubate and hatch. The second way preserves the chick, while the first way kills the chick. Likewise, there are two ways to get good news across to people. You can pound them over the head with it, or you can love them into God's family. Which way do you think is better? Peter certainly says this. Be ready to give a reason for the hope. Be ready to share the gospel. Be ready to make an argument for Jesus Christ, but do it with meekness. After all, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, I am gentle and my yoke is easy. You can't represent him harshly, unlovingly, and coldly. It's motivation. Well, these are the areas that will manifest itself. Show your gentleness to all men. That's a word to leaders regarding the congregation. That's a word to people who are in conflict. That's a word to those who are helping the broken. That's a word to those who are addressing political and social issues. And that's a word to those who are evangelizing the lost. Now, let's get motivated about it. We're being told to do it. Get about it. Okay, give me reasons. I'll give you three. The nature of God. We're not going to take time to go here, but in 2 Samuel 12, 22 and Psalm 86, verse 5, this word in the Greek New Testament is found in what's called the Septuagint. And that's the Greek version of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and there was a Greek version of it that was written later called the Elaxax or the Septuagint. And so what's interesting is you can take a Greek word in the New Testament and trace its use in the Old Testament, and twice it's used of God's kindness and mercy and love towards sinners. You want motivated to be gentle to all men? Well, could I remind you, isn't that the way God's treated you? And aren't you glad? Don't you take what you enjoy taking from God and not be willing to give that to others? You say, ah, but they don't deserve it. And I say, ah, but neither did you. My favorite verse, almost, of all my verses in the Bible is Psalm 103, verse 10. God has not dealt with us according to our sins. The law is on his side. 
Holiness is stacked up against me and I'm measured against it. I'm done. He deserves to judge me, damn me, punish me. But he's gentle and kind and loving and forgiving and he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. In fact, the amazing thing was, although the law was on his side, in an act of utter grace, he takes the just punishment that is ours and he puts it on the head of his son who did no sin. Would that motivate you? Here's a verse I find this week. It was new to me. Second Samuel 22, verse 36. It's being written of David. It's just beautiful, and I think it's true of each of us. Here's what David said. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness has made me great. God's gentleness has made us great. God's gentleness has brought us to where we are. Whatever benefits we're enjoying, whatever achievements we have accomplished, whatever place we've got to in life that's good, God's gentleness has made us great. There's not only the nature of God, there's the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus. We've quoted 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1 where Paul appeals to them in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I've quoted Matthew 11, verse 29. I am gentle and my yoke is easy. Jesus didn't assert his rights, did he? Jesus showed mercy to a woman caught in adultery. Jesus showed extreme graciousness and patience to his disciples that were slow of heart to believe, drove them crazy. Jesus had a soft touch to the point where children used to run up and grab him. Children don't run up to nasty people, by the way. The fact that children went up to Jesus tells me just how gentle he was. When he was reviled, he didn't push back. He was led to the slaughter of the cross like a lamb to the slaughter. He restored Peter. He paid temple tax when he didn't need to pay temple tax because he says to his disciples, hey, I'm God's son and the temple is my father's house. And if you're the son of the father, you don't pay tax. But I'm going to pay it sweet reasonableness. I'm going to give way. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to come below what is rightfully mine. And even on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We all, me included, we need to hang our heads in shame how far we are from that. How harsh and unloving and impatient we are. Standing on our rights. (laughs) Wow dangerous thing for sinners to do. When we show gentleness to others, it's a reflection of Christ's gentleness towards us. You're listening to Know the Truth, the Bible teaching ministry of Philip DeCourcy. You'll find more messages online at ktt.org. Here at Know the Truth, we exist to build up your faith in God and His life-transforming truth. If you've encountered God through the teaching on this program, we'd love to hear from you. How has God been using Know the Truth to strengthen your walk of faith? Let us know when you contact us by phone today at 888-644-8811. Or send Philip a message when you visit us online at ktt.org. Click the Contact tab on the top menu bar. For more than eight years now, it's been our mission to deliver Philip's clear and bold expository teaching on the radio and on the web. But did you know that Know the Truth is funded solely by donations from listening friends like you? So when you give, you're providing the resources to keep this program coming to you while also reaching men and women in your city and in cities across the country. 
And as our way of thanking you for your generous donation, we'll send you a copy of Paul Tripp's devotional on Psalm 27. It's called A Shelter in the Time of Storm. Learn to say with the psalmist, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Request this encouraging resource when you give today. Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And while you're online, learn how to take your giving to the next level as a monthly Truth Ambassador. Our Truth Ambassadors are truly the backbone of our ministry, providing regular giving that we can depend on to produce and deliver Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to come back tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy concludes his message titled A Gentle Approach. Discover the power of gentleness to reduce stress in your life. Be listening Thursday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Crying toddlers, rebellious teenagers, backseat fighting, any of this sound familiar? Parenting is not for the weak of heart. Join us in select movie theaters across the country in May for an encouraging story of true family life, the messy, the wonderful, and the redemptive. Like Arrows, the movie, will be in theaters for two nights only, May 1st and 3rd. To view the trailer or find theaters near you, visit likearrowsmovie.com. Is a Christian education right for your child? All the teachers are very accessible and very helpful. It's very comforting here. There's a lot of great people. I found so much comfort and joy and love here than you would ever feel anywhere else. Everyone is closer, like family, I would say, than public school. Take advantage of WAVA's half-price Christian school tuition scholarship program. Find out more at WAVA.com keyword school. That's WAVA.com keyword school. We see.